0: who we are I'm excited about summertime summertime
1: summertime summertime summertime
0: okay anyway we're cramming time on the rocks
1: and we're talking about summer
0: we're on the rocks and we are drinking endless summer
1: yay i like summer it is my second favorite I season. i think
0: she's hideous
1: <laughs> it is my second favorite season beside behind spring
0: oh i hate spring really summer is my favorite
1: i hate spring because of the sneezing but i love the spring weather Summertime gets sometimes too hot.
0: I like too hot. I like it hot. Ooh! But we're on ice, so this is we cold. are on ice. Yes. So and hey, let's... you have more than me. Do I? Mm-hmm. Sorry.
1: It's okay. It's got Campari. It's gonna I may be not gross. Like it. So yeah. <laughs> may not like it. We may have to send people to fetch um, white
0: cloth. Anyway, this is a uh, one ounce gin, one ounce pineapple juice, three quarter ounce sweet vermouth, and three quarter ounce Campari. So it's got that pretty color. It's beautiful color. It's over ice. We're in drinking these fun like purple goblets
1: yeah we've never used these glasses before in fact i think i just dug these out of some box and put them in my cupboard when i redid the kitchen um during spring break
0: yeah i haven't seen them in the cupboard before so when i opened up your uh you went looking through my glasses yeah
1: yeah it's pretty i don't think it's going to taste good from the list of ingredients i don't think it's going to taste good not a fan of pineapple not a fan of campari Sweet anything sounds nasty.
0: Sweet vermouth is not that sweet though. It's okay. like you use it in like Manhattans and stuff.
1: Okay. And um, you said gin?
0: Gin. You tolerate gin.
1: I barely tolerate gin. All right, I'm trying it. Okay. I'm gonna let you try it. No? Tastes like Campari. Okay, let me try it. <laughs> I can't smell anything Why oh, I try to smell it.
0: I just recall though, I did have, this is some months ago. Oh my God. Yeah
1: i'm not even no i'm going to take a second sip maybe
0: the, a few months ago i did have a drink with campari in it that i liked nope um but it had like it was like kind of like strawberry margarita with a little bit of campari and i liked it but this no
1: i am sad that we wasted good gin even though i don't like gin it's all i can taste now is just the bitter bitter campari
0: yeah if you saw my face right now like imagine you know how people have, make those videos where they give, like, little babies lemons? Yes. That's my face.
1: We did that with little baby big with, girl, child number one. But she liked it. She loved the lemon. Loved the lemon. On that same trip, however, husband gave her buffalo sauce. Oh,
0: And baby. she just
1: shivered. It was just the cutest. She had these, like, moose horns on her head from this paper moose hat from the restaurant and she just shivered all over kind of like we did when we drank this i'm putting it away and i'm gonna go get something else you want to pause and get something else because this is i'm
0: just gonna drink it though oh okay yeah you're back with your i'm back with my oh my god that drink is awful (laughs) i'm i'm just gonna drink it i'm just gonna do it.
1: well you're a better woman than i am say that again (laughs) 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 but it's called endless summer and Summer is should be endless. It is. It kind of feels like at this time. It
0: does. You know what? It feels like summer started in March when we all got locked down. Yeah. yeah. And remember, like when you were a kid back in Arde, not in these kids' days, but you were just left at home alone all day oh, yeah. in the summertime, and there was no activities or anything, and uh-huh. like you were left to your own devices. That's how I feel a lot of times.
1: My mother was home that's a whole nother story but i would be given 50 cents and then if i was lucky i might have five dollars on the books at the snack bar but i would be given 50 cents and i would walk the mile and a half to the pool and the session would start at 12 and it would go until four and i would just the snack bar was way far away from the pool too so you had to get out of the pool walk over oh, the snack yeah. bar it get your it was like actually stamp. by the
0: baseball fields mm-hmm. right?
1: Get your hand stamp, and you go to the snack bar, and you get your pure sugar in a tube that you stick a stick of solidified sugar in to yeah, the, the, the pouch it. of the sugar. Fund it. <laughs> Never got anything healthy, but and then I would walk home after the pool session, all by myself, all alone. That was just what I did.
0: My best friend, her grandma lived down the street from us, and her and I would just either like spend all day at the at my pool. We had a pool at our house, mm-hmm. or we would spend all day at her house, but her grandma wouldn't let us hang out inside she was like get outside Mm -hmm. so we would just do whatever Mm -hmm.
1: yep if i didn't go to the pool i would walk down the street to one of the two houses of the people that i played with
0: in fact my parents wouldn't let us hang out inside either they're like go outside
1: yeah my mom didn't really care where i was but um so it wasn't like i have to be outside but i was outside most of the time anyway yeah endless summer endless summer summers in 1985
0: you want to go first or me to go i first? will
1: i'm going to tell you about some endless summers that are not quite as um pleasant
0: <laughs>
1: as our endless summers well, that's may funny
0: because even though obviously mine's a crime story so I won't say it's lighthearted, but it's act, it's kind of fun ish. Uh-huh. There's some fun elements. So if yours is kind of a bummer, it's not a
1: super bummer. I'm gonna be talking about historic heat waves.
0: Oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which I just saw that the South and Midwest are going to be experiencing a heat wave where it's like super hot in the United States South, and it's going to blow up into the Midwest. And so there could, we could be hearing some stories like this
0: yeah but at least now we have modern conveniences yes and like even if you don't personally have good air conditioning they have cooling centers and you can go to well maybe not now you can't go to movie theaters yeah
1: no yeah you can't huh well if they prepare for it you have the cooling centers one of those cooling centers were actually brought about by one of the heat we haven't talked about
0: okay because in my the town that i live in which is the town you grew up in Uh recently when it was over 100 degrees they had a cooling center open oh that's so cute yeah
1: so anyway historic heat waves um the 19th century was one of the great great has great strives and improvements innovations i wrote this about two weeks ago so i should have read it to catch up but so historic heat waves the 19th century was one of great strives improvements and inventions and expansions but mother nature and the weather doesn't change so population of london doubled in the first half of the 19th century between 1800 and 1850 population doubled so as we discussed in a previous podcast something else that doesn't change is everybody poops
0: yeah i was like sanitation
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you now have
0: oh, back to our podcast about the toilet thing. Uh-huh. i we, when i was editing it you had remarked a number of times about, wow, that gold toilet must have been really heavy, like blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yes. And then I thought to myself as I was editing it, I'm an idiot. It says how many grams of gold is in this toilet. The toilet's solid gold. Uh-huh. I can do this math. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so how many pounds did the toilet it was weigh like and roughly
0: money? like 238 pounds that's insane yeah. so um circle back to your thing that, <laughs> about <laughs> toilets Dang. but i forgot i wanted to tell you that
1: wow that's very heavy um so twice the people 50 years they're all pooping it's hot so as previously mentioned in the flushing toilet the flushing toilet was newly invented um, around that time, London's Great Exhibition. And so Londoners, who could afford it, rushed to install one. So now you have twice the people still pooping. And not only is there poop going into the cesspits, which are all still being used, but now gallons of water oh, with each flush. Oh, yes, wash. because
0: of the, f- yeah, that yeah. adds a lot of volume to it that system. It adds a system. lot of
1: volume to that system. So things are backing up.
0: Uh, so we say and we're talking about a heat wave and poop yeah yeah gross okay
1: so now all of these toilets are flushing water blah blah blah. so the population boom the cesspools were backing up and overflowing and often spilling into the thames Mm. the river that flows right through the heart of
0: town that must have been beautiful oh yes gorgeous let's pump the thames in
1: 1846 they actually cleaned up these cesspits pits and created a woefully inadequate and very complicated sewer system that just emptied into the thames
0: so they just rerouted everything that ended up ultimately going back where it started
1: right so instead of backing up into the street and flowing down into the thames now there's just a pipe that's too small so it still backs up but into your house now and takes it out that's, into the thames seems worse seems worse um
0: modern innovation
1: modern innovation so population increase volume increase it's just inadequate to deal with so you might be thinking okay it's a river it's gonna flow out right that's what they all thought however the thames is a tidal river
0: oh yes
1: which means it goes up and down
0: with the tide yeah that's
1: so high tide everything looks great water levels high everything is clean looking it may still smell gross because just underneath is a layer of floating poop
0: yeah it's like covered in turds
1: yes so then the tide goes down it's a turtle wave (laughs) (laughs) the water level decreases and you have just piles of poo sitting on the edges of the river it's like
0: turd muck it's turd muck
1: Oh my goodness.
0: That's so disgusting. So
1: along comes the heat wave of 1858.
0: And I'm guessing that you... I don't know you know, like our rivers tend to go down a little when it's really hot, like in the summertime. So I'm guessing that's probably a thing that happened here too. Yes,
1: I mentioned that as well. So temperatures are soaring to 34 to 36 degrees Celsius, which for us American folks is 93 to 97 degrees Fahrenheit. Which is
0: very hot in London. Very hot in London. You're in a city. It's nice here, but. Yes,
1: it's, it's 1858
0: too. I think it's about that here today. And I'm like, oh, uh-huh. it's nice out.
1: Yes, well, this is in the shade. Yes in the sun it was 48 degrees celsius or 118 no that's
0: that's serious
1: yes now i remember in the 80s we had a heat wave come through here and my grandparents were in from fort bragg where it's always 60 degrees 65 degrees whatever once
0: in a while it might get to 72.
1: yes and it was 120 and we sat in my other grandparents bar room because that was the only room where the air conditioning would work on the very hot days it blew in the other rooms but it didn't matter but that room for some reason which used to be the garage and I'm not sure why it was the coldest room in the house
0: ducting I guess maybe
1: maybe because it was new ducting but we just sat in that room all day and we're still hot and miserable
0: I um remember being or it might have been that same year but I remember being at a swim meet in Yuba City and it was uh, like 118 to 120 like during it had
1: to have been that same year
0: and they um it was like the whole weekend Uh and uh, they would take breaks periodically throughout the swim meet to allow all the like parents and volunteers and stuff to jump in and cool off because it was so hot oh yeah they were like we have to cool these people down they're standing there on the pool deck like watching their children or like timing or whatever i wouldn't have gone because
1: you just you just melt in that heat we were hardcore i guess i went fishing one time with joe and it wasn't even like an extra hot summer and just standing there waiting for her to like untie this knot or something in the string i'm holding the fishing line with the weight i got so weak now granted i've been drinking pepsi all day instead of water but i got so weak that the weight fell out of my hands and retied her knot and she got mad at me i remember <laughs> that distinctly and i'm like well i'm about to pass out on top of you so anyway but so it's 118 degrees in the sun so this poop that's on the side of the um
0: the riverbank the
1: riverbank is being cooked oh along with the soup there's also or with the poop there's also garbage basically the thames is a great big garbage soup the water level was as the water level lowered they would reveal heaping piles of poo and garbage there was so much crap literally in the river that when the water level would go down these piles of waste on the side of the shore would sometimes be up to six feet high oh
0: yeah that's along really the molting.
1: banks. you could smell the river eight miles from the city
0: how could you even live
1: like that i have no idea so the miasma theory of illness is still very widely accepted and it was very common that the stink and the heat caused and prompted several um, articles and arguments in the press about the um in the city about the gentility of speech is at an end it stinks and whose once inhales the stink can never forget it and can count himself lucky if he lives to remember it Because if you inhale stinky stuff, you're gonna die. I
0: in this case, I think that (laughs) you might it seems reasonable.
1: (laughs) You might. So the wealthy were, it was just an inconvenience um, to some of them. Queen Victoria and Prince Albert actually canceled a Thames River cruise just a few moments into the cruise. They got down on the boat. They started, they went like 20 feet and they looked at each other and they're like, no and she had the the convenience of the day too because the, the river always stunk and so they sold things and did things to try and combat the stink so one of the popular things to do was to put perfume and different scents on a handkerchief for the genteel ladies to hold in front of their nose so like us with our masks
0: I don't know how much Axe Body Spray could combat that, but it's (laughs) got to be at least three or four bottles. That's
1: funny. I might put drops of lavender or my lavender pillow spray on my mask. Lavender
0: pillow spray. I have some. I love my
1: lavender pillow spray.
0: I saw a recipe for it, too. It's super easy to make. It's just, like, some, um, I want to say it was, like, witch hazel, some lavender, and, like, something else. Oh,
1: interesting. I have my little glass bottles from the hand sanitizer, too. I saved the recipe. Always put your essential oil in glass Or metal containers because it will break down the plastic and be bad for you so anyway queen victoria prince albert they go just a few feet and with her little handkerchief pressed to her face and she demands that the captain turn the boat around she goes back home
0: yeah i would totally i don't think i would have gone that far
1: parliament was located in westminster palace which was right on the edge of the water they hung curtains on the window that were soaked in lime chloride to try and combat the smell
0: i mean isn't that what you cover dead people with so yeah. they don't smell it's chlorine yeah it's chlorine i do love the smell of chlorine as do you it makes me sneeze um as a swimmer like and anybody that's listening right now if you were ever a competitive swimmer <laughs> like you know what i'm talking about yeah. it's like i would buy a candle that smells like chlorine (laughs) i honestly would
1: that's funny in fact child number two may have those same memories with chalk
0: yes gymnast chalk (laughs) and all you gym coaches that are listening to us you know what we're talking
1: about gym coach
0: (laughs) i'm getting a fond chlorine memory now
1: oh it makes me sneeze i i can't do it but anyway so they're hanging curtains soaked in chlorine out the windows and they actually instead of voting to fix the freaking problem they voted to move to oxford or saint albus
0: why would government officials do something other than voting to fix the problem <laughs> unless something was more convenient to them
1: yes it's more convenient for us just to move um so they did eventually purchase 20 to 25 tons of lime chloride
0: t-o-n-n-e-s tons yeah 20 to 25 i'm just saying you have to say the tons the way the english spell tons
1: oh (laughs) (laughs) um and so they hired people to go around and throw pour into the river and throw the chalk part on these big piles of poo alongside didn't do anything except for the chemicals mixed with the urine chemicals and created a noxious gas
0: well pretty much almost like ammonia
1: yeah well chlorine and ammonia ammonia is in urine i have been a victim of chlorine and ammonia from my own stupidity
0: once yeah that's mustard gas yeah
1: and so they created that all along the river
0: that's i mean at least it keeps people away (laughs) (laughs)
1: that's funny um this debacle cost 1500 pounds a week in the 1800s so prime minister benjamin driscoll started looking at better options by mid-june so bureaucracy bureaucracy on june 15th driscoll pointed proposed that the metropolitan metro metro,
0: Metropolitan.
1: no (laughs) that is not it metropolis local management amendment bill um, they passed it and that allowed the Metropolitan Board of Works to be resp- that were responsible for the river. They are now authorized to borrow money and tax households that would take 40 years to pay back to fix this problem. It's good to know that government never changes. Right. So they need something to happen and they packs, pass
0: a tax bill that's gonna take 40 years to amortize or yes
1: whatever. yes but anyway this it was a very good thing because what they ended up doing was they hired civil engineer joseph basil getty to redo and improve the cesspit and sewer system um his plan was to add 1100 miles of sewers under the streets of the city and send the rain water and the waste to the 82 through 82 miles of existing sewers and with his additional sewers he used gravity to get it done um the way he engineered it the work of course went over budget but it greatly greatly reduced the cholera rates like he his invention and his engineering of this sewer system saved more lives than any other invention in the history of england wow yes he was he was um very well thought of they and this cracked me up there was a bill Proposed to give him a six thousand pound bonus, and it was voted down.
0: Well, yeah, of course it was, because they already paid him, and they got what they wanted. Yes. So why?
1: They ended up giving him some award. He received a knighthood. That's oh, what it was. great! Yes,
0: Sir,
1: <laughs> Sir Basil get There's a plaque there, and the sewer systems are gorgeous, like the pumping stations. Victorian all the way they're tiled in beautiful beautifully decorated tile with all this ornate painting they're very fancy you should look them up
0: that's when they used to take pride in building things yes there's this YouTube channel I watch called the proper people which Mm -hmm. they explore abandoned um, buildings and stuff like that Uh and even the most mundane building if it was built like pre-1930 was beautiful and ornate and decorated and gorgeous even like 30s to 40s but after 1940 it was like after the war everything was just utilitarian. utilitarian
1: anything from the turn of the century to the end of the 30s even a little bit into the 40s i love that look that art deco that's what it's called Mm -hmm.
0: you should there's a couple really good ones on there there's one that's like an art deco power plant Ooh. and probably my favorite one it's not really art deco but it's really cool nonetheless it's called peppermint um peppermint power plant i think like something like that but um they're really really cool buildings and it's like How interesting it's so like check out the proper people it's not just old buildings some of them are new like there's one where they go to china and they go to this theme park that was never opened like it Ooh. bankrupt before it ever opened interesting it's really cool Interesting.
1: I think I chose the wrong side drink because I feel like I'm burping.
0: I go White Claw.
1: Go White Claw. I actually love it though. But anyway, so this was called The Great Stink of 1858. So a few years later on this side of the pond, we have the Great New York Heat Wave of 1896.
0: Sounds rancid.
1: Yes. So during the late 19th century, the New York population exploded. Same thing in London. Um, and it went to a whopping 3 million people um many of these new immigrants were working poor many of these were new immigrants and they were working poor they packed into the lower east side tenements five to six people inside a room not an apartment a room you would probably have five to six families in an apartment yeah much of the extra space was actually rented to single men uh, who spent most of their time working they would rent space on the fire escape to a single man.
0: I'm pretty sure New York's still like that. Really? No, I don't know, but I just. So the only time I was ever there, I was there with my college roommate, and her sister lived there, and she lived in this apartment with. It was like a two bedroom apartment. And so she, you
1: actually saw a home in New York City?
0: Yeah, she lived with crazy. like six girls. And so one of them slept in the living room, one slept in like this walk in closet, and the other four slept in the two bedrooms wow yeah and they all had good jobs wow
1: i went to new york in the 90s i got married in 98 so i probably went in 96 or
0: 97 i was there in like probably 94 or 95 so right around the same time
1: (laughs) but we i went with my aunt who and we stayed at a very nice hotel, and we went and visited very nice places. I did all the touristy things, where we went to. We didn't go up in Statue of Liberty, but we did the Ellis Island thing, and we went to St. Pat's Cathedral. And oh, that's we did what all I was talking stuff. about
0: the last episode. I was there during the government shutdown, so yeah. whatever year that was, I think ninety four or ninety five.
1: That's oh, when I was there, so we
0: couldn't do that. I couldn't do
1: that. It was. I loved it. I absolutely loved it.
0: Um, my maiden
1: name, we found out, was. They added an E on it to make it more pronounceable for American readers. That makes sense. Uh-huh. Do you want this? Maybe. Okay. <laughs> you are welcome to it. <laughs> I'm not going to drink it. So, anyway, New York, blah, blah, blah. So they're renting these places to single men who are obviously working most of the time. There was no circulation in these buildings. You all have seen your eleventh-grade history textbook with the um, eye formation of the tenements, and there's just no circulation in the hallways whatsoever. Every single bit of space is used up. The only light that you have are the windows from if you're on the the right yeah, arm of the thing. If you even
0: have a good window. Uh huh.
1: So a lot of people would sleep outside um, during the summer of 1896. There was a 10-day long heat wave. The heat had just. The city had just passed an ordinance banning people from sleeping in public parks. Okay. So you can't go sleep out in the park now. If you want to sleep outside, you have to do it basically on your fire escape and hope that the guy who's renting it doesn't come
0: home. Yeah, or your stoop or.
1: Yeah. So. Um, Nobody can sleep in public parks. The nights began reaching ninety degrees with ninety percent humidity.
0: Oh yeah, the humidity is a
1: killer. I remember I went to Leesville, Louisiana, in the summer of nineteen ninety, and you would step out of the shower, dry off, and by the time you were done drying off, you were wet again.
0: Yeah, I remember my dad constantly wet when my dad was in um, naval flight school. It was in Pensacola, Florida, and he would talk about that like you know, get Awful. out of the shower and dry off and then you're already damp again. Mm-hmm.
1: it's just gross the air just has so much water in it as soon as it touches your skin it turns to water
0: yeah that's gross
1: it's very gross so 90 degrees 90 percent humidity um the buildings are there's not enough room for everyone to sleep anyway and so desperate people started anything's going to become better with the fresh air author of hot time in the old town ed cone says quote They took to the rooftops and they took to the fire escapes, trying to catch a breath of fresh air. Inevitably, somebody would fall asleep or get drunk and roll off the top of a five-story tenement, crash into the courtyard below, and be killed. Oh, sad. You'd have children who would go to sleep on fire escapes and fall off and break their legs or be killed. People tried to go down to the piers on the East River and sleep there in the open air, and they would roll into the river and drown. Um, Between the accidents and the sweltering heat and just dying of heat exhaustion, over 1,500 people lost their lives during that 10-day heat wave.
0: Wow! Yeah, that's insane.
1: 1,500 people in 10 days—that's a very short amount of time for a lot of people in one city
0: to die. Think about like what we're doing, like in this county that we're we're in right now. Not even the county I live in, where zero people have died. Four people have died. Four people have died died in like four months.
1: And we're a large county.
0: Yeah, and imagine in 10 days 1500 people i'm keeping my mouth shut <laughs> i'm just not saying anything i'm just saying the magnitude of that
1: yeah yeah this was huge so the government however was basically silent during the heat wave didn't say anything
0: because they couldn't do anything they
1: couldn't do anything well,
0: they could have let people sleep in the park they
1: could have so and that was one of the things that was criticized so on the very last day at least which,
0: if it was over a certain degree
1: yes you're allowed to sleep in the park um, on the very last day, now to be fair, they didn't know it was the last day, because blah, blah, blah. But they held a meeting with all the department heads. And the only one to step up and say, I'm going to do something about this, was Police Commissioner Theodore Roosevelt.
0: Our Theodore Roosevelt? Our Theodore, President Roosevelt. Theodore Roosevelt. President
1: Theodore Roosevelt. He started out as New York City Police Commissioner. Well, I don't know if he started out there, but the he was. The commish. But so he decided that they weren't happy with him already, because he's the one who... Helped push for this ordinance where people couldn't sleep in the in the parks, so people are kind of ticked off already. But he decides that he is going to, and he's also leading his police officers to do a crackdown on people being in the bars past closing time. So when the bar says last call, you need to get out and go home to your sweltering tenement with twenty other people.
0: But were the bars cooler? Like, I mean,
1: I don't know that it they, they would be. seem like
0: they would have been. No,
1: I don't think they would have been. But anyway, so he made a lot of political capital by personally overseeing his police officers distributing ice to the tenements to help relieve the heat. He used his police vehicles as ambulance services to take people to the hospital. Oh, nice. Yeah. He saw um, how immigrant dads would chip off ice from the ice that he left, or that the police. Police officers left to give to their children to suck on. He witnessed how the tenements shaped t- his, he witnessed the people in the, living in the tenements and this shaped his progressive ideas that he would use later when he was president. So he wasn't just sitting in his ivory tower in his office at one at PP or whatever it's called, writing these things down. He was out in the city helping his officers do these things that he didn't act
0: as i imagined him to have done
1: right he's he was very hands-on guy yeah Yeah. so this shaped his political leanings his political future his political life um and he made him also very visible in the streets and people to know who he was
0: which probably ultimately turned out really good for him yes it helped propel him to the white house
1: so our next heat wave happened in North America in 1936. This is the North American heat wave of
0: 1936. Good name for it. <laughs> I know, right? Doesn't
1: that fit? <laughs> in June or July, several U.S. midwestern states and two Canadian provinces saw record-setting temperatures, and many of those records are still standing today. Oh wow! From 1936. So in the Midwest, which is already was already suffering through great drought the depression the dust bowl all this is happening these empty fallow fields that the dust bowl is kicking up we're also dealing with a grasshopper infestation
0: oh locusts
1: locusts so now you add massive temperatures and the grasshoppers flying above looking for crops would cook midair and drop to the ground
0: that's gruesome
1: really gruesome and really gross especially given my greatest fear is that a grasshopper is going to jump in my mouth
0: not to mention i know like i've been where there have been like a number of grasshoppers oh. and for whatever reason this is probably gonna make me sound super weird but the smell of dead grasshoppers is gross ew yeah it's gross
1: i don't feel like i've ever got close enough to smell them
0: well in town south of my town where i worked as a swim coach oh they had like a grasshopper infestation oh and yeah just, yeah they, and, it and happened. the entire town was surrounded by rice fields yes and i just remember the smell of a whole bunch of them dead and it was <laughs> disgusting not ew. like not like um flesh not like you know mammal smell yeah it was a whole different smell ew
1: i was in texas during a cicada year and we went to the movies to see terminator oh And I um, had to walk through the parking lot with my mouth clamped shut because I was petrified they were going to jump in my mouth. And for a while, we had leopard geckos as a pet. And I would go to the store and purchase... Crickets. No. Well, yes, I had to purchase the crickets. And I would always put them in the trunk because I was afraid they'd get loose. But if husband wasn't home, I would buy pinkies and feed them the pinkies because I did not want to set grasshoppers loose into their cage. I was... What's a pinky? A baby mouse who doesn't have any hair yet, so they're pink. Gotcha. They like them better anyway. There's more protein. Probably not. But anyway, grasshoppers falling out of the sky. Um the soil temperatures in these areas, because they were not watering it, because there wasn't anything there, um, and there was no water because it was a drought, could reach up to two hundred degrees so with a soil temperature of 200 degrees any nutrient or anything that may have been in that soil even though they were pretty depleted cooked out
0: yeah like incinerated yes
1: gone so this added to the barrenness of this area in the land um it didn't cool off at night so much so people started sleeping outside they'd sleep in their yards and parks there's pictures of people just sleeping in a park it's it's actually kind of cool there's pictures of people sleeping on the lawn of the state capital
0: i remember um, my grandma like her family was from missouri 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 and i remember her talking about how they used to sleep outside mm-hmm. in the summertime
1: i want husband wants to take a portion of our deck and enclose it and i'm very anti because i love our deck it's a full wraparound porch around the whole house but he wants to take a portion of it and enclose it and i said the only way that i think i would be okay with that and agree with it is if the whole thing were done in screen and then we could put like plastic or something over it in the winter but i would like it to be done in screen so we can have an old-fashioned sleeping porch that would be cool yeah i would love a sleeping porch the girls used to sleep out on their play structure in the summertime
0: yeah
1: um quite a few nights they'd do that anyhow and i took pictures it was so cute so anyhow, they're sleeping in the streets and the parks and whatnot. Um, in Detroit, doctors and nurses were working around the clock to try and beat the heat. They actually had doctors who would be in the middle of an operation and collapse from heat exhaustion.
0: I can imagine because that's like, A, it takes so much concentration anyway. So you're uh-huh. using so much more energy yeah. than if you're just like chilling out.
1: Yeah. And I couldn't even hold a fishing weight and they're doing surgery. Mm-hmm. So... People were dying. And they're probably
0: wearing masks. And wearing masks,
1: which is horribly hot. (laughs) People were dying at such a rate that the morgues were filling up and they started lining the hallways with dead bodies. Um, One observer in a hospital stated, it's as if Detroit has been attacked by a plague out of the Middle Ages. People would just leave their house in the morning to go to work, drop dead on the job, and never come home they just like didn't know what happened they would just disappear
0: basically yeah they probably just straight up like
1: fell in the river cremated, fell in the whatever yeah <laughs> cremated on yeah. site um the heat wave would end up killing five thousand americans and 1100 canadians
0: wow yeah
1: so the next one is the chicago heat wave
0: of 1995 okay which so, is what it brought about the cooling stations yeah because i'm like okay this is modern times like there's air-conditioned venues even if you don't personally have it in 1996 I lived in a house that did not have air conditioning
1: in here in this area that's insane
0: yeah upstairs oh go for
1: 300 bucks buy one from the Home Depot that just stick in a window
0: I was I was a college student I was super poor I um, would go do errands with my mom on the um, hope that she would buy me, like, shampoo or deodorant. So I was not going to spend $300. Yeah. I get that. We had, um, like, my roommate and I, we had a two-bedroom apartment, and we rigged up this, like, whole system of fans where in the morning they would all go one way like where the shade was Uh and then vent out to the sunny side and then we would turn them all so they'd go the opposite way in the afternoon yep
1: we one time lived in a mobile home and the air conditioner went out for less than 24 hours before the guy could come out and fix it and i made husband go to the home depot and buy a window air conditioner we still have it and he wants to put it in the sleeping porch that he's gonna build oh nice yeah i in the Orville ha- or in the in the house that we lived in before this house, it was kind of a long house, and I had a French door that had vents on either side.
0: I love those doors.
1: Yes. And I would open all the windows in the front and the the vents on the side. as soon as I woke up in the morning, even before I woke up, like husband would leave for work, I'd get up and open the windows, and go back to bed, and um, leave them open till that midday. And that would really help with keeping the house cool.
0: Not only that, but those doors had, like in between the glass panes the shutters were in between the panes of glass
1: <laughs> the first time that that thing came loose from the magnet that you used to yeah. put them up and down i got crying because i thought i broke the door because we bought them on clearance or no they'd been returned and so they were being sold as used and open box and i think we still paid like 700 dollars for this stupid door they were cool they were really cool i, li- I did like those doors like, we talked about bringing those doors here and putting them in there you
0: just like flick this little thing up and <laughs> they it, the shutters you know went closed oh. and vice versa uh-huh. it was so cool they were very cool i
1: really even in the tiny little vent windows on the sides yeah i loved those doors we talked about bringing those doors here but we never did too bad yeah anyway so chicago heat wave 1995 in july of 1995 there was a five-day heat wave with a high of 106 in chicago where it's humid so that's not good Mm -hmm. on july 13th the humidity levels stayed also high and the temperatures didn't drop enough of at night to provide relief the being that it's a city they also had what was called an urban they also were what was called an urban heat island oh
0: yeah okay
1: so the cement and the black top of the street and the cement of the sidewalks yeah, and the aluminum of the built, yeah it would absorb the heat and then radiate it out at night so it yeah. didn't drop off at night if you can venture the mosquitoes if you go outside at night here because of all the farmland around it's cooler it's not comfortable but it's cooler
0: yeah it does it is cooler
1: yeah um so anyway they the city was considered to be oh yeah so with no break from the heat and the infrastructure began to break down um more people were running their air air conditioning if they could afford it and that's taxing the power grid so they were having brownouts um kids were just opening fire hydrants Mm -hmm. to run in them so that's dropping the water pressure to other areas of the city road beds actually buckled train rails buckled and bent it's that hot um, I have been places where it doesn't even feel like it's that hot outside and like walking across a blacktop or a parking lot in high heels and your heel will sink into the blacktop of the tar.
0: I remember this is years ago when I worked at, um, the police department that I used to work at. We were, not me, cause I worked in the office, but, uh, some of the officers were out at this really bad traffic accident and it was super on a blacktop road on a blacktop road and their um boots were melting
1: yeah yeah the that, blacktop, that blacktop gets so
0: hot yeah and because they were there for like a couple hours wow doing and like whatever
1: i worked for a paving company for a while and all that is is little bits of rock covered in tar mm-hmm. held together by tar so it's hot when you lay it out to make it bendable and pliable so then when it gets hot it's bendable and pliable mm-hmm. even if it's been laying there for three years it's crazy so anyway so things are starting to break apart um this cause obviously if you've got rails buckling and road beds breaking you've got delays in commuter traffic which makes people cranky if they can't get home very paramedics and hospitals and morgues are completely over over um whelmed halfway through the bodies are piling up this is only five days and halfway through the bi- bodies are
0: completely piling up Well, they had to have a place to store them all
1: uh-huh 700 chicago citizens died one city 1990 freaking five 700 yeah, people died
0: pretty much modern times like if i look from 1995 to today um aside from you know some like computer technology stuff there's nothing different nope like we had the same type of air conditioning we had the same type of refrigeration
1: we built the roads the same we built the railways the same yeah most of the people that died sadly were the elderly who either didn't have ac or refused to run it because it cost too much yeah that's sad my great-grandma used to say that don't it cost too much it costs too much money they figured out that even in elderly who were living alone Men died at a higher rate than women.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: Because women had a larger social network that they Mm. could reach out to.
0: So they could go over to, like, cousin Kathy's house or whatever. Yeah.
1: City leaders didn't realize that the heat wave um, didn't release a heat wave emergency warning until June 15th, which happened to be the last day. So they went through four days before they released heat wave warning and set up the cooling stations. See, now
0: it's like four days before it happens so yes already like, yes
1: and i wonder if the meteorol- me- meteor
0: meteorological yes
1: that word if that weather <laughs> <laughs> if the weather predicting systems had not been as advanced at that time it's
0: probably probably true but i just remember when i lived pre that pre you know like right right around that same time i lived mm-hmm. in buffalo new york And the meteorologist there had, he called it his three degree guarantee. And if he was more than three degrees off on a particular day, like, I don't you could call in and be like entered into a prize drawing or something like that. Um, So it had to be fairly sophisticated.
1: Wow. There is a Doppler ball near house where we used to live. Mm -hmm. And it's right next to the golf course. And I just want them to paint golf did divots, divots it. <laughs> in it so badly why
0: don't they
1: i don't know but i think that they need to do that that would be so adorable it would be very adorable um so anyway they they finally set this up and the city had five cooling stations set up but they never got used because they didn't get the word out to the people in time um i recently saw a article in something to do with all the racial issues that we've been having citing this heat wave as a racial incident because the majority of the people that passed away were african-american
0: yeah i mean it's hard like i can't put myself you in can't the of you can't exactly but
1: it was 25 years ago
0: it's still i graduated
1: in 1990
0: it just seems to me 1995 doesn't seem that different than today other than we don't spread news as quickly like maybe that's that was true part of it yes um because you know, the well only and way... i think
1: the elderly people were probably a little more out of touch elderly people today they still have a smartphone they yeah. still have access to the internet whereas in this time There's i don't think they hour did news in yeah.
0: 1995 there was only there like was one station you had to subscribe to cable to get it yeah um there was no like i mean there was radio there was tv for free but who knows i mean like i have a particular radio station i listen to i have a particular i have inter, i have antenna tv because yeah. i'm you know off the grid i have a particular channel i listen to neither one of them have news on them per se yeah
1: well so- we have um satellite and we have east and west coast feeds so we do not get any local news mm-hmm. my local news is gotten from the radio station that we listen to in the morning so from eight or from six to ten that station is on I don't listen to them from six to 10 or that program is on. I don't listen to them the entire time, but that's the bulk of my, my local news. That and the, the, my smartphone.
0: Yeah. That's the bulk of my news too. I um, typically podcast them. So sometimes like today I'm listening to on the way here, I listen to July 7th episode so it's not even up to date up to
1: date yeah i that's four hours a day i have too many other podcasts that i listen to
0: (laughs) that's pretty much the only one i've been listening to i can't
1: keep up so if that one you thought that was bad 1995 okay the next one sock it to me european heat wave of 2003
0: um that isn't that long ago
1: no not at all child number one was minus three years yeah yeah So July and August of 2003, Europe suffered its highest temperature summer since the year 1500.
0: That's my, like, I kind of turned my head sideways face like a dog when they don't know what they're looking at. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. So um, the temperature soared between 20 and 30% above average. The nighttime temperatures were higher than the typical daytime temperatures with temps reaching as high as 99 to 104. Wow france was hit the hardest they had limited ac because they didn't need they didn't it. need
0: it it's like um the house in the bay area that my grandparents oh you bought. don't need
1: ac in the bay they
0: didn't have ac
1: my grandparents didn't have ac in fort bragg
0: yeah they was...
1: barely had a heater because it's 63 degrees all the time
0: yeah they would buy like their car didn't have ac nope i would not own a car without ac
1: my jeep that you could take the top off had ac and I would use it with yeah. the top.
0: Like I remember them, like it was an, uh, it was, must've been in the eighties, but like there was a conversation. I think my mom was like talking about maybe, I don't know, our, oh, we had this Toyota truck. It didn't have AC. And my Ooh. mom was like, oh, you know, I want to get something different or whatever. And my grandma's like, why do you need that? And like my grandma, my mom's like,
1: um, so nobody had AC cause they didn't need it. They the they had a large elderly population at the time. The entire continent lost approximately forty thousand people.
0: That's unreal.
1: Again, looking at what we're going through now, so forty thousand people. France itself, just the country of France, lost fourteen thousand people to this heat wave in one year, one summer.
0: Well, yeah, less, one summer. Yeah. It was probably only what, like a number of like, a
1: number of days, like
0: probably twelve days. It says
1: July and August of two thousand three. Okay, so
0: even if it was like thirty-five days,
1: still fourteen thousand people died. That's
0: it's monumental to think.
1: Monumental, about yes. Um, so the disaster was one of the deadliest in over a century. Besides the human toll in the cities, the environment took a hit because the heat wave of the, from the heat wave of well, the alpine glaciers shrank by 10 percent the mountains started thawing earlier and faster causing mudslides oh
0: yeah like in like france and switzerland Mm
1: -hmm. um forest fires raged across the continent in farming areas the um fodder and grain production declined and the higher livestock costs from having to water them um increased because the water levels in the lakes and rivers went down from evaporation Mm -hmm. which happened in the other heat wave earlier so um the french many of the french this i didn't even think about but this is a modern problem the french nuclear power facilities had to just shut down
0: because they cooling the cooling plant or the cooling mechanism couldn't cool
1: they couldn't keep it cool so that is decreasing power from an already overtaxed power grid yeah
0: that's another thing speaking of the youtube channel i was talking about earlier the uh-huh. proper people they it was a couple <laughs> really good nuclear power plant episodes oh
1: interesting so the heat wave showed a lack of preparedness and unawareness for heat related emergencies because you don't often think about when you think of an emergency you think a natural disaster yeah, emergency fire tsunami right you don't think of heat, heat. waves. yes so they they realized that they didn't know what they didn't know so they had to deal with mass dehydration so they figured it out so since 2003 many european governments have developed an action plan for extreme heat with green spaces and public education um, warning systems for heat measures to help people who are most vulnerable so crazy to die from heat heat.
0: yeah especially when we live in a climate that gets extremely hot like and we manage, like, we all manage, you know? But
1: we're prepared for it. We know what yeah. the heat can do to us, and we all have air conditioning. In a, a state or an area of the nation of the world where you don't have extreme temperatures, your grandparents didn't have A.C. in their car. My grandparents didn't have A.C. in their house. They don't need it. But if it's if they suddenly travel to our area and it's 120 degrees, they're yeah. happy to have that A.C. It's
0: just interesting. Like, uh-huh because we live with it every summer like
1: yeah and we're not even the hottest place in the nation like there's places that get hotter than we do
0: i mean there was like a in may when my ac went out and it was a super hot weekend
1: i don't know why you just didn't get your computer and come here quarantine or not just no ac peace out
0: it was uncomfortable yeah we did it for the whole weekend yeah
1: well um child number two's gym that we go to three days a week for four hours a day has a swamp cooler Your as their only job. my part-time job has a swamp cooler as their only air conditioning and then today and it's so hot and you in sit there, upstairs still we have to sit upstairs we're not allowed to go on the floor because the athletes are on the floor and social distance So we're sitting upstairs still. So today they ran a fire drill and we had to go outside. And I commented to child number one who goes with me and does her little embroidery that I said, you know it's hot outside when walking into this place feels cooler than outside.
0: Yeah. And it's not as hot today as it's Mm -hmm. been in like other days so far this summer.
1: There is a hallway in the back that has AC and I think sometimes those doors are locked but sometimes they're open we try to use the bathroom back there so we don't have to go out to the lobby so i need to just start going and sitting in that hallway on the floor rather than in the bleachers in the main area but it's fun to watch them too because they do really cool
0: stuff yeah i mean they're gym it's not like swim like swim practice where you just go back and forth constantly
1: yeah yeah well and also it's practice so they're all doing stuff all the time gym meets it's a whole lot of hurry up and wait you get 30 seconds of action then you wait two hours yeah You get another 30 seconds of action. So what are you telling me about?
0: I'm going to tell you about Murph the Surf.
1: I love that name and want to hear all about Murph the Surf. So
0: when I thought about Endless Summer, I thought about, you know, like that poster, Endless Summer with like the guy with the surfboard on his head. Yeah. Like the movie. It was a surfing movie. Totally. I was like. I want to watch Point Break. I've never seen it.
1: I'm not sure how you can call yourself California. (laughs) Or a child of the 80s. Yeah, I know. I may just not need to speak to you anymore.
0: Okay, well, I'm just going to talk then. Go for it. So, Murph the Surf, or Jack Roland Murphy, was born in 1937 in Oceanside, California. Do we need to pause? Okay, so, Murph the Surf... Murph the Surf! Or Jack Roland Murphy was born in 1937 in Oceanside, California. He was an only child. His father... who was also named Jack, was very stern. He demanded excellence. Ooh. So...
1: I grew up like that.
0: As a result, Jack became an accomplished violinist and an adept tennis player. I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) Jack's criminal life began at a young age when he broke into his elementary school to eat ice cream. Oh, because his dad was so demanding. And he just wanted to comfort himself. So ice cream... They didn't say how old he was when this happened though. But um, one of his childhood friends said that he thought that Jack's demanding father and tense household led Jack to rebel. Duh. Yeah. He also said that he once saw Jack's father slap him across the face for washing the dishes too slowly, which a little extra there.
1: I got in trouble one time because I didn't run the garbage disposal after I put macaroni and cheese down the sink.
0: I mean technically not doing it means that it's still after so anytime you did it after that (laughs) well i was washing dishes today and i was like cleaning out my fridge because i have a brand new fridge and i want to keep it like nice yes so i had a couple things that were food i needed to dispose of and i was like such an idiot because i put like the grossest thing down the dish the garbage disposal last instead of first
1: (laughs) vinegar Pour vinegar down it, or an orange if you have an old orange pop that down there. yeah
0: i did well i ended up doing like a lemon but yeah same thing same, thing. same concept yeah but i was like ah because i had some nectarines that had gone like a little bad i could have done mm-hmm. them last right and they would have been fine so as a teen he would drag his 60 pound redwood surfboard down to the pacific ocean to surf with friends because it was like the 40s so yeah
1: surfboards oh. weighed 60
0: pounds wow and he also husband's dad was a surfer which is kind of amazing i mean he's in a very active man but he just doesn't look like the surfer type no
1: not at all he didn't look like a gymnast type either he was apparently a gymnast
0: yeah i could like the horseman and stuff like that i can picture him as yeah
1: he's reinvented himself many times yes although i saw a picture of him in high school and he looked like a 1960s bad boy Oh, wow. Early 60s. Late 50s, early 60s. Knowing him, that's hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. And he was like 14 in this picture, and he looked like straight out of Rebel Without a Cause.
0: Oh, wow. That's cool. So, um, he also started this habit where he would count telephone poles and cars when he walked home from school. Oh. And so, hence sharpening what would become his extraordinary ability to case a room.
1: Oh, that's one way to use OCD tendencies. Mm -hmm.
0: When Murphy was a senior in high school, his family moved to Western Pennsylvania, and there he won the regional singles tennis championship, and he earned a scholarship to the University of Pittsburgh. In 1955, he left Pittsburgh after only a few months in college, and he hitchhiked to Miami Beach. He said he was missing the sunshine and the ocean that he grew up accustomed to. Aww. So in Miami Beach, he found work as a swimming teacher, He taught scuba and tennis. He also worked as a dance instructor in cabana clubs and resorts. He was a lifeguard, and he even traveled with a high dive stunt team, and he would do the thing where he dove off the towering platforms doing, like, flips and twists. Uh So he was living quite the life. Yeah. One day he met this older woman by the pool, and they, like, just instantly connected. Like, they were just, like, total friendship thing, not, like, romance. Um, soon after he met and married this woman's daughter, Gloria. Oh. The marriage was short-lived, though they. But they did have two sons, and after the divorce, Gloria took their two sons and she moved back to Illinois, and um, the sons grew up with only a vague sense of their father's identity. Aww. um So after the divorce, Murphy moved to Cocoa Beach, Florida, and that's when he opened up a custom surfboard shop. And basically, he spent his free time partying. He would, like, go out on his friend's fishing boat, take beer, take girls. They would party for hours. And then um, he would take a surfboard with him when they went out, and he would ride a surfboard on the wake of the boat. They do that now? Yeah. Wow. And this was, like, in, like, early 60s, late 50s. Yeah,
1: not something that was done yet because boats weren't, designed Mm to make that big wake now then now they do they design it so it will do that
0: yeah and he also obviously just normally like surfed the traditional way he was really into it so this is how he got his nickname murph the surf Uh and um surfing like it wasn't really a big sport then like it wasn't something that was common that everybody did yeah
1: well in that area yeah it's more of a west coast thing i think isn't it Mm -hmm. yeah so in 1962
0: and 1963 murph the surf won florida state surfing contests he was known for his nimble footwork and for carving the waves which is also like kind of innovative at the time because prior to people like him it was pretty much just like who stayed on the longest yeah there was no like moving around on the waves
1: yeah well like with wakeboarding that's one of the things that you can do is you cut the wake you go Mm -hmm. across the wake
0: yeah and surfing like i said prior to this contest were who stayed on the longest Who stayed on the
1: longest (laughs) although that whole curl thing when you're in the middle of the curl would have to just
0: look incredible i know but i'd be scared to death so one one christmas right around the same time he was in india atlantic india atlantic florida Murph the Surf dressed in a Santa costume and he delighted the beach crowds by surfing in his costume. cute!. Mm-hmm. So as I kind of mentioned, surfing really wasn't a professional sport until the 1970s. Okay so as I said, surfing wasn't really a professional sport until the 1970s. Yeah. So even though Murph the Surf was winning all these competitions, he wasn't making any money. And like what made it worse is that he had some bad business deals and he had to close his surfboard shop oh no he also married oh Oh.
1: so speaking of you not seeing point break this sounds very familiar
0: well maybe it's a take on it I don't know it could be but um so anyway so he married another time but that didn't last and so then four years after he moved to Cocoa Beach he moved back to Miami and that's where he met his good friend Alan Coon Kuhn okay. was a diving and swimming instructor, much like Murph had been. Oh. Um, he also liked living the playboy lifestyle, much like Murph. Totally. So of course they—it's the time to do it. Yeah, they had some things in common. Um, they both I can
1: see them in their high-waisted
0: swim trunks. Yes, <laughs> short With the belt, short high-waisted <laughs> swim trunks. So they both needed to generate an income to live the lifestyles that they right. had in mind. They like you know wanted to be these big playboys so together they started this scheme where they would steal valuable artwork and one time oh speaking of circling back one time they stole art from the underbelly of a greyhound bus oh interesting yeah i didn't even remember that all of our episodes connect there's connections every seven degrees of crime and time on the rocks (laughs) love it so instead of selling the art, they would contact the um, insurance company and basically ransom it back to them. Yeah. So if the piece was insured for 200000 they would ask for like 70000 And then the insurance company wouldn't have to pay the insured person 200000 They yeah. would only give them the art back and then pocket the 130000 Hey, let's do that. Want it's it? actually a pretty it's brilliant scheme. I mean it's totally illegal but Of
1: course if you're contemplating a life of crime You're not smart smart enough enough for a a life of crime crime. Which one is it?
0: Joe. Joe, My friend Joe Getty (laughs) Friend Joe Getty (laughs) Quote Joe Getty My um, co-worker and I always say that We said my friend Jack or my friend Joe (laughs) That's hysterical Because like nobody really understands who we're talking about Right Although
1: they should because it's an amazing radio show
0: Yes So Murphy and Kuhn then began swiping jewelry that were um, worn by tourists and socialites. They would go to bars, clubs, resorts. Um, they would climb up balconies of high-rise apartments and hotels <gasps> to get the loot. That's so dangerous. Mm-hmm. You're gonna... <sighs> A couple times they even escaped on speedboats. Like, seriously, like Miami Vice.
1: That is totally cool.
0: Yeah. So once... After robbing a mansion on an island, Murph evaded police by, like, diving into the ocean with a satchel of jewels, and then he swum away and, like, swam to where the getaway car was.
1: Okay. Is there a movie of this? Because there needs to be. There's a movie of this. So. Okay.
0: Um, I think it's called Murph the Surf, oh, but it's, it's like a funny. 1970s movie, so it needs to be redone.
1: Yes. But with proper costumes.
0: Yes. <laughs> In the fall of 1964, Murph and Kuhn left and decided to go to New York City. They stopped in South Carolina. There's
1: no surfing in New York City. Yeah,
0: they had other sites in mind. Okay. Um, so in South Carolina, where they stopped, they decided to rob a jewelry store. And this time, they um, ended up escaping, but not until they had to riddle a police car with bullets. So they were armed.
1: Okay, so we're getting serious now. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: So, once they got to Manhattan, they moved into a penthouse on 86th Street, which is interesting because this is the third time I'll mention that I've only been to New York City once, and the place I stayed was at 86th and Lexington. So Oh, wow! I don't know where they were on 86th. It's near the Natural History Museum, so I don't think we were quite, like, that close. But Uh I'm like, that's the same street where I was staying.
1: (laughs) Oh, that's crazy. So, they had to have been doing well to be able to rent, uh, did you say penthouse? Yes in new york
0: city it new actually york city. somewhere later down i have how much it it went for a month oh. which probably in like 1962 or 1964 it was a lot of money but it's not like out of the realm right when i get to it i'll well you'll know because i'll say um <laughs> so they spent their nights smoking weed and doing coke and they, oh. they spent all their days plotting a heist okay on October 29, 1964, Murph and Kuhn and their associate, Roger Clark, pulled off a heist that was instantly called the Jewel Heist of the Century. Wow.
1: That's they, a big claim in the 1960s, because you still
0: got 40 years to go. It was a big heist.
1: You mean, it, it, well, did, did Kim's surpass that? Who? Kim
0: Kardashian, when she had her jewels oh, stolen. that was nothing. That was nothing. <laughs> so get this okay on october 29th 1964 oh i said that already <laughs> sorry i repeat myself it's fine yeah the group broke into the new york american museum of natural history where jp morgan's jewel collection was on display no all in all they made they uh, made out with 244 precious gems including the famed star of india the eagle diamond and the DeLong star ruby
1: they stole from the Natural History Museum? Oh yeah,
0: like That's the wrong. The most precious gems on the earth pretty much besides That's the crown jewels. Wrong. Yeah. And isn't the Star of India cursed? Well, now it is. Well, I think it was cursed. Maybe, I don't know. There's all kinds of cursed jewels though. Yeah. So, Murph had been casing the museum earlier and like on all these instances he discovered that there wasn't really very good se- security. The burglar alarm was not operational, and also the 19... Oh my goodness. Yeah. And also the 19 exterior windows were left open at night, like up to two inches to allow for ventilation.
1: They have no other way to ventilate the museum than
0: to leave the windows open to Yeah, inches. it was on like a higher story, like not the first floor. Like it was like second or higher, I'm not sure. But they're climbing hotels. Yes, so they were like, we can get into that. Oh my gosh. So the stolen jewels... Oh, they climbed through the window and they discovered that the display case alarms were also not working. So they just mm-hmm. had a field day. They, I bet. the jewels that they took were reportedly worth more than $400,000. In 1960s dollars. Yes. Wow. But mu- museum officials said the loss is actually like incalculable because some of them were like super rare and well-known. Yeah. The investigators believed at first that they were looking for amateurs because they had taken all these large and unique stones instead of ones that were easily disposable.
1: Right. Well, that was my one of my thoughts was we know of the Star of India. Mm -hmm. So it is a fairly famous jewel.
0: But Murph and Kuhn already had this plan where they were going to Kuhn had friends that were um, airline pilots. So they were going to pass the gems to one of the airline pilot friends and have them resold to anonymous collectors like in the far east oh because you know that was still like kind of like a closed world at the time yeah yeah a break in the case happened when one of the plainclothes detectives had an informant that told him he was at a party that was thrown by three men in their hotel room and the source said I think I got something for you. There are three guys upstairs in this place spending money like wild. You'd think they were making it with a machine. Ooh. So I don't know how that was enough to get a search warrant. There had to be more, but for some reason... It was the 60s. Yeah, they got a search warrant for the hotel room. The warrant. Why are
1: they in a hotel room?
0: Well, it was like Penthouse Hotel that they rented oh, out. Gotcha. They rented okay. it for like a month. So the warrant listed the address as room 1803 at the Cambridge House Hotel on West 86th Street. It rented for $525 a month for a three-room suite and was a short walking distance to the Natural History Museum.
1: That room would cost five times that per night
0: now. Yeah. Wow. Huh. So inside the room, they found marijuana, which was a crime back then. Mm-hmm. might still be in New York. I don't know. Might be. Um, they found a floor plan of the Natural History Museum, and they found books about precious stones. Ooh the search was disrupted when roger clark walked in i was gonna say where
1: are they while this search is happening
0: they were just out and about i guess and then <laughs> roger clark walks in, new in york. and there's all these new york city detectives there <laughs> and he's like uh hi, hi y'all um, this is my house so they question him and he caves in and he reveals that murphy and coon had fled to florida so so F- he
1: just got the hotel the suite to himself yeah cool
0: it's already rented. So FBI agents um, quickly go down to Miami and they they arrest Murph and Coon. They extradite, extradite both of them back to New York. Um, the judge didn't feel like it was a great case, so he set a pretty low bail. So all three of the men posted bail, and then they flew back to Florida. And once they're back in Florida... How can they leave New York if they're out on bail? It was a federal case so they just can't leave the u.s yeah so um there were actually later local charges filed but this was a federal case okay so in an interview conducted once they were back in florida murph said i was supposed to be on my way to hawaii to surf now all this inconvenience has really fouled things up damn it yeah
1: i am being indicted on a federal crime and i can't go to hawaii and surf Mm -hmm. which in the 60s in
0: hawaii surfing was a thing it was a thing yeah So on December 1st, all three of the men got a big break when the federal court dismissed all of the federal charges. Um, But then on December 13th, Murph's longtime girlfriend was found dead in her Miami apartment. (gasps) The cause of death was apparently a suicide. She had been upset after hearing that Murph had a new girlfriend. Oh my. On January 2nd, Murph and Clark were arrested for another burglary, this time in Miami, they led police on a miles-long chase in a car that was registered to Murph's former girlfriend, the one that had died. Uh, Murph and Clark bailed out of jail, and they headed back to New York because they had a hearing there that they had to go to.
1: Uh-huh. And this guy has an ex-wife and kid back on the West Coast,
0: right? Um, in Illinois. Oh, okay. Yeah. After the court hearing adjourned, all three were promptly charged with robbery and other charges for a whole different incident. This was for an incident in 1964 where they robbed and pistol whipped actress Eva Gabor. Wow. Yeah. So this time the judge set the bell at $100,000. Why would you pistol whip Eva Gabor? She she wouldn't give up her jewels. Well, of
1: course not. I'm not going to give up my jewels, but my fancy schmancy wedding
0: ring jewels. But dang, she's Eva Gabor. She's Eva Gabor. So the lead investigator. She's a national damn treasure. Yeah. The lead investigator in the Natural History Museum burglary, Maurice Najari, needed all three of the men's help to recover the loot, but he didn't want them to be out of jail. Oh, for sure. So he started talking to Kuhn first. And Kuhn said that he could recover the gems if he would be allowed to go and leave and go to Miami on his own. He'll just go there and bring them back. Of course he will. So, of course, Najari was like, I'm not agreeing to that, but he did set up a trip secretly for Kuhn to travel to Miami with um, three police officers. Unfortunately, this trip didn't stay secret. There was reporters and photographers that were just, like, right behind him the whole way. Wow. Kuhn kept giving all these excuses and stalling as to, like, where the jewels were. Of course he did. And finally, the district attorney told Najari, if you get the jewels, come back. If you don't. Go to Argentina. Yeah. Wow. Because he wasn't very pleased about the trip to begin with.
1: Totally. And that is something that you could only do in the 60s. That would not fly now. No.
0: So finally, one of the detectives got a phone call with de- with directions to a key for a locker that was located at the Miami Trailways bus terminal in the northeast part of Miami. So Detective Richard Moline returned with two waterlogged suede pouches why were they waterlogged because they hadn't been in the locker for very long oh they buried them in the ocean Pro- some maybe don't even know but inside the pouches were nine of the gems including the star of india the midnight star five emeralds and two aquamarines the delong ruby and a whole bunch of the other gems weren't among the pouch the jewels, the and jewels and and pouch. interesting mm-hmm. i have an aquamarine that's my birthstone, So I have It a would couple. have to
1: be pretty big because my Aquamarine is decently big and it's worth about 20 bucks.
0: Oh, mine's expensive.
1: I have no idea. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's, I could have it appraised. I don't know. We had to cut it off my hand
0: because it got stuck on my finger. Mine's, I think like four carats. It's pretty big. It's. I want to see yours and mine so we can figure out how big mine is. Mine is a, it's loose. Oh. I don't have it in anything. I need to get mine it. is in a very nineteen fifties ring. I need to get something done with mine. Yeah, one day. Um, so the detective decided he was just going to go back to New York with whatever they were able to recover. So on April sixth, nineteen sixty five, Coon, Murphy, and Clark were each sentenced to three years at Rikers Island. Um, the Eva Gabor case was dropped because she decided she didn't want to testify. and the star of india was put back on exhibit but this time they beefed up the security they had secure glass around it and then in september of 1965 the delong ruby was finally recovered it had been ransomed for twenty-five thousand dollars by john d macarthur the insurance millionaire so i think he was like kind of like playing a reverse scam like that they used to play with the insurance companies Uh i don't know where he got it it didn't really mention where he got it hmm But all in all, 10 of the 24 gems were recovered, like, of the most precious gems. 10 is not very many out of 24. Yeah, and there was a whole bunch more taken that were just, like... Just stones. Yeah. So, after serving two of the three years of his term, Murph returned to Miami in 1967. In 1968, Murph's reputation as a glamorous cat burglar took a turn. Because prior to this, he was kind of seen as, like, glamorous. Yeah. Like, he was handsome and he did these like big robberies and
1: yeah he's that character on psych that's played by the guy from princess bride
0: what's his name oh yeah that guy yeah you... it's the a art, french name the art guy. dupardu is it that sounds right the yeah. art forger guy the art forger guy so he and two of his part two partners other partners not this not the ones i've already mentioned they broke into the mansion of Olive Wofford, who was a Miami Beach socialite. I think she might have been an older woman and didn't say how old she was, but uh-huh. just from Olive. what I've read, it seemed like she is. Uh, she told police that the thieves held a pistol to her and also threatened to pour boiling water over her eight, eight-year-old eight niece unless <gasps> she opened her safe. That's horrifying. It's horrifying. Even just to threaten. Uh-huh. That's why he kind of, his his little... Like, I'm a cool criminal thing got tarnished. Got tarnished, yeah, for sure. So Murph was later located by police, and there was this chase that happened again. This time, Murph ended up driving his vehicle through a pair of French doors. They didn't really explain, like, if it was into a house or out of a house and how he got in or how he got out. So...
1: Okay, that just sounds... I want to see this 1970s movie. I know.
0: So when he was finally apprehended, which was, like... A day later, or like hours later, uh-huh. he was covered in bandages and cuts and stuff. Because he got cut on the way out the yeah. door, and he told police <laughs> that he cut himself shaving. Yes,
1: when I'm shaving my my um, upper thigh <laughs> and my stomach,
0: <laughs> my... I think he. <laughs> I'm picturing, I don't know this, but I'm picturing... He was probably sitting. I'm picturing sitting. he did it, like, in a kind of, like, smart-ass way. Like, oh, I cut my... I cut myself shaving. Oh. Not, like, to cover it. To he cover knew I wasn't going to cover it. Yeah.
1: I can see that. Yeah. Like, Hugh, in our previous episode, I don't think I will produce him. Exactly. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
0: that's how I'm picturing he said it. Okay. So, things took a final horrific turn when two women who had been found murdered in 1967 were linked to Murph. Oh So Murph and another man... He killed man, his girlfriend. They, they didn't... There wasn't enough to say if he did or didn't on that. He killed his girlfriend. Well, Murph and another man, Jack Griffith, partnered with these two women that were found dead to um, steal over $500,000 in stocks. So calculated out that would be over three million dollars in today's dollars because
1: back in those days stocks were kept on certificates on Mm -hmm.
0: paper yes paper stocks but how
1: did they not have a record of them in some ledger book somewhere
0: there was okay good yeah i'll tell you how so these women terry ray frank and annalee marie moan were secretaries at a brokerage firm oh so they stole the stock certificates and the loss of the stocks weren't discovered until the two women had Quickly quit their jobs and moved to Florida, where they moved in with Murph. Of course,
1: I can picture those women.
0: Yeah. So both. I of need th- to cast this movie. I know. <laughs> I like. I want it to be like so '70s looking, but I want it to be also modern.
1: Yeah. But if you shoot it with that camera lens, that looks '70s ish.
0: Mm-hmm. Which I love, by the way. Yeah. So both of the women, Murph and Griffith, went on this water skiing trip one day in the intercoastal waterway when one of the women threatened to talk unless she received more of the of their cut in the theft so later both of the women were discovered beaten and shot and they were weighted down with concrete blocks in whiskey creek canal which is in the intercoastal coastal coastal waterway okay
1: see that's not sexy Mm -mm. everything else Has been kind of sexy.
0: That's what I mean. Even her
1: threatening to say, "I want more money." You can still picture that in a
0: it took a turn for the sexy, cool way. So Murphy and Jack Griffith were tried for the murder of Terry Ray Frank. Um, Only Terry Ray, Ray Frank. I don't know why. Oh, but Murph pled not guilty by reason of insanity. And yes, he's crazy. He ended up being committed to a mental hospital, but it was only for a few months until he was declared fit to stand trial.
1: How in the heck did he get away with that? Because of all of this meticulous planning of all of these heists that he's had to. Because it do. was
0: 1967. Or oh, whatever. I don't like that. Yeah. So anyway, he ended up going to trial. He was sentenced to life in prison. And then he was also sentenced to another life sentence, plus 20 years, for the armed robbery of Olive Wofford. The judge, during the Olive Wofford sentencing, said that Murphy was unfit to walk among among decent people.
1: He sounds kind of sociopathic
0: scummy. Which is interesting, because in 1986, he was granted parole. And after prison, he spent his life, well, he's spending his life, because he's still doing it, um, ministering to prisoners he's an ordained minister he's married and has children and grandchildren
1: okay so i will eat my words maybe he was um what's that word called rehabilitated yes
0: that word so anyway i looked at as always wikipedia um sports illustrated smithsonian tampa bay times and crime and investigation uk all right so that is murph the surf Murph the surf.
1: So I, it sounded point break-ish. Spoiler spoiler alert on a 30-year-old movie. Um, they rob banks to pay for their surfing. Oh. And when they were about to get caught, they surfed like this big, huge wave in Australia, and most people die when they surf it, but they surfed they Of course they did. Yeah, so Keanu Reeves was an FBI who infiltrated Patrick Swayze's gang of bank robbers and surfers got it to crack this case now i don't have to watch it (laughs) i know you really don't but it's a good movie and it sounds very similar to what they did except for the you know threatening an eight-year-old child and killing and weighing people down with
0: cinder blocks i think being a child of the 80s i've always loved like the idea of surfing and the surfing lifestyle yeah even though i don't live anywhere near a beach i mean i live in california but
1: there's other parts of California besides Venice Beach. Yes. Most people think it's all Venice Beach. I went to Europe my between my junior and senior year, and... Most people thought that I lived on the beach. However, some people had heard of small town where there's a university because of the Playboy article. Yes.
0: <laughs> yes. Which was very popular in the 80s. Same on the West Coast or when I lived on the East Coast. In yeah. fact that um
1: If you don't know what we're looking about look talking about, look up Playboy College in the 80s. Yeah. I think it
0: was like 1987 or 88. Yeah. Anyway, so when I lived on the east coast my swim team had just changed from like division whatever it was in division three i think to division one Uh when it was division three the best division three team was party town usa team really yes the men's team so every like there was records like they
1: have a lot of records for different sporting
0: things yes back when they had a swim team um there were pool records at the pool I swam at on the East Coast that were from men who were from the college that I work at now. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. So they, like, m- the reputation preceded me.
1: Yeah. Oh, for sure. I was literally at, first time I've said it in this episode, I think, I hope, because I say it way too much, the House in Germany and these young men were like, you're from blah, blah, blah? We know blah, blah, blah. We read about it in Playboy. I'm like, yeah, I live in a little town about 20 miles away from there. I'm in high school. Not legal there. Back off. (laughs) (laughs) I mean. As I'm drinking my massive beer because it was Hoffer House. Yes. Well.
0: I love summer. I'm I'm not an expert on it.
1: I'm not an expert on anything, but I am most
0: definitely a drunk. True that. As always, you can contact us on Facebook at Crime and Time OTR. On Instagram, we are Crime and Time OTR. On Twitter, we're at Crime and Time OTR.
1: And our email is crime and time OTR at gmail.com. Email is where, you'll want us, where you will want to send us cocktail suggestions, things Topics, you want to learn about.
0: Yeah. yeah. Or just say hi. Or just say hi. And we also have a new Patreon page yes. if you want to buy us a drink. Buy us a drink. So that is patreon.com slash crime and and we're going to be offering some perks for our patrons absolutely i'm excited see you there thank you for listening